E-S-N-Y. I think you're only the second person we've had on via Skype. So it's a little more confusing than a regular phone call. How? Yeah, I don't know. It shouldn't be, right? It, it shouldn't be, be more so confusing. much easier. But all right. Well, we have Max Greenfield on the podcast today. He's a brand new writer for us. Uh, I've been talking to Max on Twitter for, I don't know, uh, like a couple of years now. Uh, we very much bonded over our need to defend Mike Trout for some reason. Yes. Because people hate Mike Trout. I don't really understand that. Never understood the hate for Mike Trout, but yes, we bought it because we constantly kept running into tweets where we were defending Mike Trout together and it was just like, what's going on? Why are people bashing Mike Trout? But they are. I mean, Um, everyone will bash something. Somebody's going to get bashed by everyone. I didn't think that maybe the greatest baseball player of all time would be one of the things that was getting bashed. That's very, very, (laughs) that's actually very shocking. I didn't realize there was a corner of Twitter that is bashing Mike Trout. Hmm. Uh, You know, there's a corner of Twitter for everything. I guess you're right. Exactly. All right. So this is episode 38 of the Bleacher Creatures podcast presented by Elite Sports New York. Uh, As always brought to you by Rivercrest NYC. I'm going to do the full ad this week. They had a big week. They had a lot of promos going on. So, I liked them on Instagram, and all the food picks are stellar. Just stellar. Fantastic. Max, I know you're not from New York, but you should also follow them on Instagram. And if you're ever in town, they are at 3315 Ditmars Boulevard in Astoria, Queens. They have dozens of beers on tap. They got about a dozen televisions. Uh, perfect place for a game after work. Just happy hour, whatever you want. Rivercrest NYC in Astoria, Queens. All right. So, Max, you went to winter meetings. That's why you're I here did. today. I was there. Tell us about that experience. So uh, I was there because I had a few interviews with team to try and get a job with them. Uh, so if you're looking to work in baseball, the winter meetings is generally where they hold most of their in-person interviews. Sometimes they meet in other areas, but for the most part, they're all going to want to meet there. Uh, so I had interviews with the Angels. Uh, Yankees, Cubs, Reds, Dodgers, and Nationals. Uh, All for jobs or just meetings. But I was also there, and I was also trying to keep up with all the free agent buzz as well. And there was this is the first year in a long time where a lot happened at the winter meeting. So it was pretty fun to go around. I mean, it's open to anybody. Anybody can go. I mean, if you're a fan, I don't necessarily recommend going because they're all going to be very busy, and they might not necessarily have the time to talk to you. But you're more than welcome to go. Yeah, I mean, you always have that option. You can just stand in the lobby and just watch people walk by. That's probably what I would have done. Josh and I I were kicking around the idea of getting with not. But, I mean, let's be honest. We would have just been standing around waiting for news to break. We're not exactly the newsbreakers of the industry. Yeah, it's everyone was just looking at Heyman, Rosenthal, Patson, or – maybe Sherman to break something. Those guys were constantly on the move. They were going around moving. Uh, they were all very nice though. They were, you know, shook their hands. They, I mean, the names and the people that you see at the winter meetings is just crazy. I met, let's see, I met Raul Abanez, Pedro Gomez, uh, Joe Girardi, Kevin Cash, Carlos Beltran, David Wright, Jim Leland, uh, any major sports writer for baseball was there. It's crazy. It was yeah, it's quite awesome. the name. It's quite the list of names you just ran down. Yeah, he just name yeah. dropped on us. So clearly he's uh, clearly he's the superior here because you know I, I, I just met. Got lucky I went. 
No, that's great. I mean, like, honestly, uh, we were talking about this before, like for, for someone who's kind of, you know, in the sports media industry, that's such a huge thing. Um, getting out in person. And it's great to hear that, you know, everyone's there. Like for me, that would be like the equivalent of, you know, like a five-year-old, I'm sorry, five years old, like an eight-year-old kid, like watching LeBron James and like getting to meet LeBron James. Like that would be me with like these writers. It's just, you've seen what they've done, how they built up their careers. It's, it's probably just incredible. Yeah. It's, they were all super nice. Uh, Pedro Gomez is, uh, his son went to the university of Arizona and that's where I went. So we talked about that for a little bit, and he was really nice. Uh, Marley Rivera was super sweet. Oh. Uh, she, so all, all of them, just if you went up to them and just, you know, introduced yourself, they were all willing to talk for a little bit if they had a little bit of time. Now, um, I guess. Did you meet day- Lindsay Adler? Stop it. That was my I, question. Uh, <laughs> I, I saw her walking around, but she was. She was pretty busy and then like my moments of free time were not her moments of free time. So I did not see her, but she was around. I did see her. What about, I'm sorry. I stole your question. You stole my question. Now I got to think of another one, but um, obviously, you know, it seems like from, from our point of view on Twitter, Facebook and stuff like that, the, the biggest, um, biggest celebrities that people were meeting were John boy and Jake. Um, yeah, they were, they were very popular. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, you look at them, they're kind of, uh, they're doing what we're trying to do and changing the landscape of, you know, the sports media aspect and making it more millennial friendly, you know, getting people interested in it again. And it was just great to see so many like famous writers and, you know, just like people like, oh yeah, I know you and excited to meet them. Yeah, they were very popular at the meetings. People people wanted to go up and talk to them as much as possible. I mean, Jack Curry went on their podcast. I don't know which podcast they went. he went on, but he went on. Lindsay Adler went on. Uh, Jeff Passan was doing fun things with them. Uh, I saw, I think it was Marley Rivera was talking to them for a little bit. But yeah, they were a very popular group. And they were very nice. If you went up to them and you know introduced yourself, they were more than willing to talk for a little bit. But, you know. They were running around. Obviously, I think the the best moment for them was when Garrett Cole signed. They were just walking around with wine. And Lindsay Adler tweeted that she saw she just heard shouting from the lobby. I saw the person shout. And all of my friends were texting me and they sent me the tweet. They were like, was this you? And I was like, no, but I did see it happen. I, I saw him. They, it was because John Boy went up to this woman and was like, we got cold. She was like, yeah. And she was so happy. Uh, but so the shouting in Lindsay Adler's tweet was because John Boy was there. So John Boy was at the center of a lot of like the big tweets and uh, a lot of the media presence there, which is great. I mean, he's his breakdowns are immensely popular for good reason. He does a great job with those. And I mean, now he's at the center of the Astros scandal. And I mean, he was just on ESPN today, wasn't he? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, just like seeing seeing that different perspective of baseball is so huge because I think that's a little bit what we try to do here. I mean, when I started this with my old roommate, Rob, it was basically us just shooting the shit for 45 minutes. And sometimes we talked about baseball, sometimes we didn't. And that kind of carried over with Allison, too, where I think like if I listen back tomorrow or if I listen to the podcast, I drop Monday, like there's a solid 15, 20 minutes where we're talking about literally nothing. Well, that's always the best. You don't you don't want to make everything about something serious. No, you just have a little bit of fun with it. It's baseball. Exactly. Baseball's fun. It's supposed to be fun. That's what we're trying to do now. Yes. But I will tell you, I didn't go to the winter meetings, but I'll tell you my most famous encounter with a Yankees writer, okay? <laughs> I love telling these types of stories because they're stupid, but it's yeah, great. you got a lot of them. I got a lot of stupid stories. But anyway... um. This summer when I went to the Bronx, um, Brian Hoke and uh, Mark Feinstein were signing autographs for their books. Like they were selling their books at one of the local bars and stuff. So I was like, oh, I go there. And, you know, so I went up and got their signature. I was like, hi. I was like, I'm, you know, that NYY chick on Twitter. He's like, oh, yeah. No, I know. I know you. And I was like, what? What? (laughs) Just like in awe. And my boyfriend's like, wow, I guess I didn't realize how Twitter famous you've become. I was like, I'm not famous, but, you know, it felt real good. Oh, I'm sure. 
when I uh, I met Mark Kerrig, who is if you're not following him him on Twitter, he's great. But I met Mark Kerrig. I said we've talked on Twitter a few times. He goes, "What's your name?" And I, I told him my name, and he goes, "Oh yeah, I remember you." And I was like, <laughs> "You have that moment of just like this guy who goes on TV." Like I said, knows my name. Yeah, like it's, I said, it's, it's like the celebrities, and you're like, "Oh yeah. my gosh!" Like people would be yeah. like, "Oh, it's a it's a writer," and we're like, oh, "I'm gonna hyperventilate. I might pass out. We're not sure." So yeah, but no, I get time, it. You also gotta you gotta play it cool because like you know you want to be professional and everything, especially at the winter meetings. You know, I'm, I'm wearing a button down shirt, have a tie on, and everything, trying to impress, be on at all times. And this guy just said, "Oh yeah, I know who you are." It's like. Ah! <laughs> I mean, I, I always play it. it cool. Let's be honest here. Like, isn't that not true, James? Like, I play it cool. I, Allison Case is the coolest person I've ever met. I have never once seen her flustered about anything. Definitely not That's about Brett Gardner. Skill. She's cool as a cucumber. That's a good skill to have. <laughs> and Max, I know that you, you when you first came on board, the first piece that you wrote was about Brett Gardner. I what, did. What compelled you to do that, seeing as how that's like my area of expertise? It is. Yeah, let's let's clear the air on this beef. Yeah, we got to know. We uh, got to know. So I think what was going through my head was uh, I think there was rumors that uh, Gardner was waiting for a contract offer right when I came on. So I was thinking about that. And I'm in a few group chats and we were talking about Brett Gardner. And we basically came to the conclusion that he's had a very underrated career. I mean, guy's going to probably finish his career with over like around 40 to 45 war and you know over a 100 weight runs created and have a stellar glove but like if, i'm sure if you ask the average yankee fan of like this guy's a, you know gonna get votes on the hall of fame ballot when he goes up not going to get in most likely but he's gonna get votes and people are gonna be like really and it's like yeah he, he was good he was really good he had a seven win season once he's just a way better player than people gave him credit for so i felt it was you know, when people were talking about bringing him back, I felt it was time to, like, maybe just take a moment to step back to realize how good he had been. Oh, so good. He's just been so good. I'm not flustered at all. I'm just saying he's very good. He's very, um, very good. I did see a stat today. James, did you, did you tweet that today? Someone tweeted. I thought it was you. Never mind. Um, I promise you I didn't tweet a stat. Okay. Um, so I, I don't remember who it was. I'm sorry. I will find it and give credit where credit is due. But someone said that between 2013 and 2019, Brett Gardner had a higher war than Bryce Harper. That is, if you go by baseball reference war, that is correct. But there's some context needed for that of Harper missed some time. I think if you look at uh, on a per rate basis, it's close. But mm -hmm. that is still on a, on a blanket if you just look at the values, yes, Brett Gardner had a higher war than Bryce Harper, which I doubt the average person would tell you that, uh, which, again, just shows how underrated he had been in his career. Just you sort of got to take a step back and realize, you know, we were very lucky that this guy was there every single day. I compare him a lot to Paul O'Neill, just grit and grind every single day, you know, was a warrior out there, wanted to play every day, wanted to do everything he could to help the team didn't take a playoff and that fans are going to love that, but also just maybe they won't appreciate it until it's gone of how special that can be. I mean, I wrote a piece this week, of course on Brett Gardner, but you know about how, yeah, what he... else? <laughs> I mean, you, you're just seeing nowadays people that you think are going to be, I guess I call them lifers. Um, you know, the ones that are going to stay with the same team for their entire career, yeah. you know, Obviously, the Yankees had that with um, Derek Jeter, Jorge Posada, Mariana Rivera. But, you know, kind of looking down the line from there, you haven't really seen that. Even like Hideki Matsui, you know, pursued other options after. And just to think about the way Brett Gardner, the way he's playing, he's a 261 career hitter. You know, it's not great, but he's definitely made a difference on these teams. And the Yankees still want him. And that's pretty incredible if you're thinking the last lifer Yankee to retire was Mariana Rivera. Yeah, it, it's, he's probably going to, I mean, my guess is, I think at the end of this contract, he'll be like 37, 38 or something, right? So that'll probably be it. And I remember seeing some people go, 12 million for Brett Gardner. It, it's not 12 million. It's a 2 million bonus with an 8 million salary and a 10 million option. And that's, that's a fantastic contract for Brett Gardner. He's going to supply way more value than that, most likely. 
And just that'll probably be it for him. And he'll call it a career. And when we, when you look back at it, you'll be like, yeah, that was a good career. He had a really, really good career. Max, I don't want to scare you, but we don't really talk about Brett Gardner retiring on this podcast. We don't, we don't bring that up. That's, that's fair. Probably I know he has to. I know he has to at some point. Like, I'm aware of the situation. Um, you know, it's just he, he holds a special place in my heart. Like, that's, that's my guy. I, I just got to go with it. He's a, he is one of my favorite Yankees as well. You can't say that. He's mine. Well, I, one of. One of. <laughs> Oh, one of oh, thank God, he's my favorite Yankee. I'm just yeah. saying, like I know. The, Don't worry, I will never step over that. <laughs> I was gonna say last week I was going through like my YouTube. You know how on YouTube it gives you suggestions yeah. like recommended for you. So mine yeah. was like one of the top ones is Brett Gardner highlight videos. I just love to watch those. It's just it's just who I am. I can't help it. I will say, I mean, when he hit. Uh, the home, I thought this was an underrated moment in 2017 when he hit the home run off Barrios after almost getting plunked the pitch before. His little like like backdrop and stare. I think that's one of the more underrated moments of that playoff run of just Gardner just going, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> I thought that was – everyone kind of passes that over, and I'm like, no, oh, that's actually really cool. Like That's a badass moment right there. Brett Gardner's a badass guy. Let's be real. Yeah. I mean, we saw it this year with the bat banging, and – now your comparison to Paul O'Neill just makes it even better. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's the best comparison for Brett Gardner. It's just he's a very Paul O'Neill like player. So James, oh, it's definitely going to be about? a good presence to have in the clubhouse. Oh yeah, next year. Yes, indeed. Um, so a couple of the other things I know that ha- we're just trying to cover what happened this week, which wasn't much, you know, not as exciting as the, as the Cole signing and all that jazz, but, um, you know, Didi Gregorius, uh, ended up going to the Phillies. He made some comments that made me very sad. Um, but, and I don't know how much you guys heard about that, but basically he said, you know. Cashman really called me one time, didn't offer me a contract. You know, their focus was primarily, obviously, Garrett Cole. And I'm like, Didi, duh. Like, come on. Yeah. You got to know this. It it kind of almost seemed like common sense. Sure, it's going to hurt. But at the same time, like, you knew going into the offseason, their primary goal was to get a starting pitcher. It's There's, there's a few things about that. The first was that... I think people took it the wrong way of like Didi might have sounded salty. I don't know if Didi was like upset about that, but I think it was clear from the get go that unless Didi was willing to take less money to stay in New York, he was probably not coming back. And he had a down year, like just it guy who having a two seventy eight on base percentage. It's hard to say that they had a good year offensively. And yeah, he came back from Tommy John, and I think I'm just going to attribute it to that. It's just difficult injury to come back from. So he did what I think he should have done, and he took a pillow contract on a one-year deal and try and get more money next offseason. Uh, I'm sad to see him go. I really liked him. I thought he was amazing while he was here. He did a great job. I think a lot of people don't talk about of how difficult it was to replace Derek Jeter. I mean, I just, yeah, I mean, how do you replace Derek Jeter? How? Like the the, the Yankee, the one. He, he might even be more of a Yankee than Babe Ruth was. Yeah, I mean, just when you to more to fans everywhere. I mean, that's the captain. He he is just loved, and your job is to basically just go in and you don't have to necessarily perform like him, but you got to be in there and you got to perform well, and you got to be personable enough to get the fans' attention. And did you did both those things? Yeah, no, you're absolutely, absolutely right. Fantastic. I'm uh I'm I'm excited to see him in Philly. You know, it sounds like Dallin Batansis is potentially looking at Philly as well. That Honestly, like hurt. I would root for that team. I would yeah. like that. The Philly I think the Phillies are interesting. I think getting rid of Kapler was probably an interesting move, but like they got they just losing McCutcheon hurt, shout out to another former Yank, uh, mm-hmm. who's also a great guy. Uh, but losing McCutcheon just derailed their whole season. But like, if they signed Batances, I getting Zach Wheeler. Like, yeah, they've made some upgrades. I would not be surprised. Plus, I agree that would be a fun team to root for with Girardi, Didi, and Batances. Mm-hmm. I don't see Dellen going anywhere else. 
Like I he's really, going to do the same thing DD did, or just take take the safe contract with your former manager, rebuild some value, get what you want next year. It seems like the Yankees don't even really want him back, which I I don't care for. Yeah, I don't understand. Like he is so good. I mean, when healthy, a top five reliever in baseball. You could make the argument that when healthy, he is the best reliever in baseball. Especially, yeah, if he's healthy and he's pitching well, like when he's really hitting his spots and commanding the fastball and the knuckle curve, like good fucking oh, yeah. luck touching him. Yeah, that it's just he's so. I mean, first reliever ever with five straight seasons of a hundred plus strikeouts. Right. That's that's absurd. That's just an absurd thing to think about. Yeah, and I think, you know, a lot of people were saying maybe the Yankees aren't look taking a closer look at him just because of the um there might be some some lingering shoulder injuries, you know, issues with that, you know. But like James and I have said before on this podcast, you know, the way they kind of treated him in arbitration and with Randy Levine yeah. just that yeah, they've it, it, they've fought him so hard at every single contract and now they're not willing to I mean one year 10 million dollars that's not a lot for someone who can give you that kind of production. It seems like they're just like out on Dellen, and they have been. It, I, I agree that they probably looks like they're probably out on Dellen, and that honestly that hurts more than Didi because at least with Didi, right? You had Glaber, you had you could put DJ at his best position, and even then, like the backup option of Tyler Wade and Geo and Miguel and Duhar, like there were options if Didi left. But with Batances, I mean, you're literally losing a guy who is top five at his position. And that just, you think about the pitching staff with him is all time great. That's how good it could be. Yeah. And that's the difference between, you know, now Tommy Canley's probably getting the seventh inning. If you get uh, Dellen Batances to come back, then you're talking about Tommy Canley in the fifth inning or Adam Onovino in the fifth inning. Like, yep. That's the way to shorten the game like that is with that dominant of a bullpen. Like that's how you rely on the fifth starter. Say it's Jordan Montgomery. You say, Jordan, go get me four innings and we're going to be just fine today. Yeah. I mean, if you're, if, even if you come back with the opener, which isn't a bad idea, depending on certain guys and how they recover. But I mean, if with that pitching staff, if you had Dylan Batances and you're telling Garrett Cole, like, Hey man, if you just get through five, you're fine. Right. Like, Garrett Cole is going to love that. The fact that he can worry, you know, if he's got a lead and he's starting to get up there and pitch count that when he comes out of the game, his bullpen's going to save it for him. He's going to get the win. He's, they're, they're going to win and he's going to get that victory because whenever he comes out of the game, he's got six, seven guys who can come out of that bullpen and just lock it down. I loved seeing Dylan come out of the bullpen. I mean, I know that he was, when he was younger, you know, he had some issues with command and everything like that. But when he was on, he was unstoppable. And I was just looking something up because um, January 20th, 2017, I wrote a piece for ESNY titled New York Yankees. Arbitration might force Dellen Batances to jump ship upon free agency. And... Guys, am I am I psychic or what? We went over this before. I think I am psychic. This is the <laughs> second time you've been psychic. Yeah, I, it's a good thing. It, that that whole the arbitration thing was just so disappointing. Yeah, I mean you you can't have a guy who's giving you closer numbers and then say, "Oh, well, you're not a closer." So yeah, arbitration in general in baseball is just bad. It's all the way messed up. But I mean, just just for some fun numbers. It's straight up bullshit. It's straight up. Bullshit. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Some fun numbers on Batanza. Since his first like full year in the league in 2014, he hasn't had a strikeout percentage below 38. percent That means over a third of the guys he faces, he strikes out. That's just crazy to think about. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's stupid. That's just, that's stupid good. The only reason Dylan Batanzas isn't a closer is because the Yankees have the best closer in baseball, arguably, right now. So it's like, oh, well, Dylan be the closer on literally every other team in the MLB, but we have the one guy that can lock it down better than he can. Yeah, I mean, Chapman was probably the best closer of the decade. But that's not really up for debate, given what happened to Kimball this year. So, yeah, I mean, just, but even then, like, I think the role of closer is slightly 
arbitrary of just I would use the best reliever in the most high leverage situations if it were me. But I understand of just something mentally to get those last three out of the game. There's just something to that. And so I know why Chapman closes, but you could have had Batances close. I mean, think about it. You could have Batances close. Chad Green could close. Tommy Canley could close. Adam Adovino could close. Zach Britton could close. Heck, Luis Sessa at times closed out games last year. Oh, yeah, you didn't just say that. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable. Wow. We have been talking nonstop about Luis Sessa's high leverage numbers and how ridiculously good they are for no reason. He is so good. I don't understand. For years. I understand why Yankees fans trashed him because like they saw the potential and he just never lived up to it. And I was frustrated too because the potential was always high with him. But then last year, he started to put it together. And it was just, he looked, I don't know, it, when he was up six, he struggled. But when it was two runners on second and third, one out, and that's the go-ahead run on second, he locked it down. He did his job. And it was wildly impressive. I big Luis Sessa fan. I, I think he's unnecessary hate. I'm so glad I'm not the only one here because <laughs> that's been a hill I am going to forever die on. That is the hill. I will die on that hill with you. I yeah, we got three on the hill now. There we go. <laughs> no, but you're right with the entire bullpen. I mean, that entire bullpen, anyone can close, and you're you're right. I mean, the the title of closer can be very arbitrary, and you know, there's some days Chapman can't pitch. You know, three three or four days in a row. You want to give him some rest too. If it's another close game, you've got options. You've got Zach Britton, who used to close. You've got Adovino, who's disgusting. You've got Chad Green. I just love Chad Green. Like, I don't know what else to say about him. But, um, you know, you, you've got some great guys in that pen. And having Dellen Batances would be, just be an embarrassment of riches. It would be incredible. I mean, in the article that I wrote about uh, Hater Batances, I mean, Either one of them would arguably give them the most, it would definitely give them the most complete staff in all of baseball this year, but it could give them arguably the most complete staff of all time. Whereas from top to bottom, they're just loaded with talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think you're right. Talking James, about you- Jordan Montgomery is the fifth starter. <laughs> I am yeah. so fine with that. It's even, even if we can't trade half, though, I think it's, probably possible he gets traded within the next few hours to be honest uh but even if you can't trade half if your fifth starter is a rotation of jordan montgomery debbie garcia jay Happ, mike king and herman's going to come back at some point regardless of how you might feel about the situation he's probably going yeah, to I'm be okay if he doesn't yeah yeah it, it i am too but uh regardless of how you feel the situation he's probably coming back at some point those are four guys who, if you told me that that was the fifth starter, I'd be like, I'm fine with that. I'm, I can see that. I'm good with that. I mean, it's the fifth starter. We're not, we're not rolling out Jordan Montgomery and being like, listen, we need seven shutout innings from you today or we're going to lose this fucking game. No. Yeah. This is just go, go out, give us a chance to win the game. Jordan Montgomery is not throwing a shutout, but he can, he can hold them to two or three runs. That's yeah. no problem for this offense. He, if he goes out and gives you five to six innings of two to three runs every time, you're, you're getting exactly what you want from your fifth starter. Right. Exactly. Possibly even more. I mean, in general, yeah. you know, he, like. He showed flashes his rookie year of potential, potential to be better. Yeah. And I mean, he, he was, I believe, oh, here comes the cat. I always have a cat sighting in my uh, videos. Yeah, every single week. Every single week. All right. So anyway, um, no, I mean, he was, and a lot of people don't remember this, but he was a sneaky candidate for Rookie of the Year. But, you know, he he, yeah, but of course he was behind two just bona fide superstars and that made it difficult. But he was in the running for that. I think he was, uh, he would have been third place in my book. I think he finished like fourth or fifth somewhere. Yeah. Like he, he, he was because he was leading all rookies in strikeouts, ERA, mm-hmm. and uh, some advanced metrics as well. And like, yeah, he was having a solid year. But just, you know, when Aaron Judge hits 52 home runs and has a eight win season, you're kind of just like, oh, well. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> what? Some, somebody just um, quote tweeted one of my tweets uh, the one about Tyler Wade hitting the home run. 
And then Luke Voigt put him in a body bag. This is that first row yeah. pop. As somebody quote tweeted and said, Tyler Wade is expected to miss the 2020 season with an Instagram injury. <laughs> That's funny. I'm going to so, retweet that one. I mean, the other thing, too, um, you know, I listen, the more that we get closer to spring training, the more I'm really loving what Clint Frazier is doing. Um, I know he's on Twitch and, you know, playing all the time. And then he posts a freaking workout video and he goes, cause that's all I do is, you know, play video games. And I'm like, oh, this guy savage. is just savage, just a savage. And I love it. Like he's calling out all these, like these fans and these people that are just like, you know, he's listening to the noise, but he's feeding off of it. And yep. that's just, that's just great. I, Clint, I actually, uh, Clint's got some definite offensive potential. I mean, the Diamondbacks were still willing to trade for him at the deadline for Robbie Ray this past season. So they must see something. I think most teams are willing to ignore the gloves if he can, you know, he hits the ball hard, which in today's game, that's really valuable. That translates super well. And I think they're still willing to take a chance on that. I mean, I think the Yankees still probably plan for him to be involved with the 26-man roster next year. He's probably not starting over Tachman just because Tachman is so good defensively. So, so good defensively. But what if he'll yeah, probably... I think he was the second second in defensive war to judge, right? Correct, among AL East uh, outfielders this year. He also, like, if you prorate his numbers to, like, 150 uh, games, he would lead in almost every major defensive category. I mean, it was... It was crazy how good he was defensively this past year. Mm -hmm. uh, so he probably is going to be the, either the starting left fielder or starting center fielder. I think it's just a preference of where they like to put Gardner. But, I mean, it depends on how you, you know, view Ford and Boyd and Stanton. What if Stanton's going to play the field or if he's just going to be a DH? But Clint Frazier, there's a good chance he's on the opening day roster. I, you know, I, I love his so. bat. Yeah, I love his bat. I liked he posted, I think, on Twitter, too, a video of him in the cages. And it was just incredible when they slowed it down. And you watch that ball come closer and closer. And he's still not swinging. And then all of a sudden, his hands are just so quick. Like, he honestly, I haven't seen bat speed that fast in a very long time. Actually, it kind of reminds me mm, of Mike Trout. Like, his hands are just so quick. He's, his swing is actually pretty similar to Trout. If you were to, if you were to look at it a bit, just from the fundamentals of the swing, they're pretty similar. They they both swing late and rely on their bat speed and kind of that whip effect. But uh, yeah, I mean that's not their he's legendary bat speed, as Brian Cashman said. But yeah, it's he can hit. It's just a matter of does his offensive value outweigh his defensive value, which is, for lack of a better term, bad. Right. Yeah, it ain't great. I mean, we saw a couple quite a few times this year, you know, defensive miscues. But, you know, I was also noticing, too, and I'm, I'm looking for more of like a, a mental standpoint, because obviously baseball is a physical game, but it's just as much, if not more, a mental game. Um, yeah. And, you know, a lot of times what was happening is, you know, he would slightly misplay something and the next play he would feel like he had to do something bigger and better just to make up for it. Like diving for a ball that he had no chance getting and having the ball go all the way to the wall. He did that. Yeah, he was quite a few constantly times. Constantly playing himself out of place. Right. Constantly. I think, I think, yeah. the, I think the thing with Frazier is his route running is uh, not very good. But... um he gets really good jumps on the ball. I mean, it's not a matter of just, is he not getting a good jump or is he you know, not reading it? It's just, he doesn't know what to do once the ball's in the air. He'll read it fine. And then he's like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully he's doing more defensive work this off season. And I know that they, um, I've heard rumors they're looking at Kyle Schwarber. I mean, what does that mean? I think I, they've every if there's a lefty power bat who walks a lot, the Yankees are probably going to be attached to them just for whatever reason because of the short porch and they walk a lot. And those are two things that the Yankees like. But Schwarber's probably not realistic. I don't know if the Cubs are willing to move him. I did learn at the winter meetings, based off my conversation, that the Cubs are expecting to lose Chris Bryant's grievance 
So they're going to try and shop him around because they think they can't afford him, which is, mm-hmm. again, ridiculous. But so yeah, the Cubs can afford Chris Bryant. Yeah, they can afford him. Any realistically, if you're not the Miami Marlins who just recently changed ownership, so they've got some cash flow issues or like the Oakland A's, you can probably afford Chris Bryant. It's why at this point it's just whether or not you want to lose some prospects for one year of Chris Bryant. Uh, The Cubs are going to try to move him as a two-year guy. Other teams are going to try to buy him as a one-year guy. It's just not going to work. It really depends on the grievance. You know, once that gets filled, you know, figured out, it'll be better understanding of his package. But I mean, that's the ultimate question of Mookie Betts, right? If the Red Sox are willing to trade him, uh, you know, if you're a team, you got to the ultimate question of do I give up good prospects to get arguably one of the best players in baseball for one year and try and win a ring and potentially have him walk or do I try and re-sign him? Like what's, what's the game plan? Chris Bryant's going to have that exact same effect. So obviously this is all in relation to Schwarber, but Schwarber's probably not going to be Yankee. I don't see him going there, but I mean, if they do pick him up, that would be a bad sign for Clint Frazier. It'd be a bad sign, honestly, in general. You know, you've got Aaron Hicks come well, probably yeah, you'd coming back eventually next coming back. You'd have a plethora of outfielders. <laughs> but you well, know what? Well, we had a plethora of outfielders <laughs> last year too. <laughs> well, then we had thirty three injuries, and then <laughs> so maybe it's not a bad thing. Yeah, I mean, but like, look, what they have now, you know, you've got Aaron Judge, you've got Stanton, you've got Brett Gardner, you've got Talkman. If you put Clint Frazier out there, you put Clint Frazier out there. That's five outfielders. Um, Stanton's probably going to DH um, a good amount of time, too. You have to give Aaron Judge a break, too, sometimes as well. I mean, he, like in 2018, when he ended up getting hurt and hurting his shoulder and slumping in the second half, like he had played practically every single game. Like you, you have to give him some time. Um, that's just the kind of guy he is. Uh, so yeah, it seems like a plethora of outfielders, but as uh, last year shows, we are. It's not always a terrible thing. Yeah, and we can't yep. just keep pulling Tockmans and Mavens out of our ass. Yeah, it's, the Yankees are very good at look, and it's when I spoke to some people who work in the Yankees organizations, it's because they just value. Uh, hard hit rates and exit velocities. And they have, uh, Satcast has expected numbers, but they have that for all minor leaguers. And the Yankees just look at guys who are, they hit the ball hard and they try to just change it. And so every guy they pick up is just, you you look at their exit velocities and stuff and it's just, oh, they hit the ball hard. And they're trying to develop those guys. So that's what they look for. But yeah, there's no, you're not going to pull a Gio Urshela, a Mike Tockman, a Cameron Maben out of your hat again in 2020. You can't count on that. But depth is really important. But so to have the Mike Tockmans, the Clint Frazier's, the Gio Rochelle's, the Miguel Andujar's, you know, Tyler Wade, Kyle Higashioka, I don't know if they're going to go sign a backup catcher, but all of those guys, just like, they're all going to play a role. They all got something to do. So finding them and making sure they're ready is going to be key. I don't think they can sign a backup catcher. We, I mean, we talked about it last week that, it, it really depends on how much you value keeping Higashioka. Because if you start him in AAA and Gary Sanchez gets hurt, which is going to happen at some point, you call him up to the majors. Now it's a DFA or a trade. Like you're, you're done with Higashioka. He's out of options. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's correct. I mean, I don't even think he can start in AAA at the year. Like if he's not going to make the roster, he's got he's to go. Uh, but Higashioka, uh, James, in your article, you brought up a great point. He's an excellent framer. And for now, that's the thing that has the most value as a backup catcher is you got to be really good defensively. And Higashioka is good defensively. Um, he's got some potential with the bat. You know, again, as I said, it's the ball hard. Yankees like that. Uh, so, but for a backup catcher, as long as you frame well, you're doing your job. And Higashioka frames well, blocks well. Maybe he doesn't throw out runners at a great clip, but that's fine. As long as you frame well, you're fine. So I I would be fine with Higashioka, but he's going to have a role to play. Yeah, I remember when Higgy first came up, it was 
it was like the longest running joke that literally all he hit was home runs. He didn't hit very often, but when he did hit, it left the ballpark. It, it was crazy. I, I remember that in uh, 2018. I think it's like four of his first five hits were home runs. And it's just like, okay, that's strange. Yeah, that was uh, that was definitely entertaining. I mean, in terms of in terms of him, I did do the kind of deep dive into the stat cast for uh, Higashioka, and his sample size is obviously very small. But you know, he he gets the ball out of his glove quick. Um, you know, doesn't have this doesn't have a strong an arm. Um, obviously, it's Gary Sanchez who has a freaking cannon attached to him. But you know what? Maybe some extra and maybe some extra plate appearances and like actual consistent plate appearances and consistent time behind the plate could make a huge difference for him. Yeah, I mean, look at Austin Romine when he played every day. For some reason, he performed really well, which caused people to say Austin Romine should start over Gary Sanchez. And if you know anybody who says that, you need to stop associating with that person. Uh, yeah, that's preposterous. But, yeah, but. I mean, if you get consistent playing time, it's just sort of that comfort as a player, you know, just like no matter what happens, I'm going to be in the lineup the next day, which is nice. You know, you get that comfort of just like being able to know and it's easy to build up the team. But yeah, I mean, Igashioka does have a good pop time. His just arm isn't strong. But again, as long as you're framing really well, you're fine. Which James brought up in his article. If, if you haven't read it, you should. I didn't even read it, to be honest. <laughs> all right what else we got oh you know what i did want to get your take on uh you're a big advanced numbers guy obviously yeah. uh what are we looking for in garrett cole in 2020 what kind of old person stat line are we looking for based on the advanced numbers so we uh that's a good question which before i pull up his numbers let me say when garrett cole signed I was right next to Jeff Passan, and I told Jeff, hey, check your phone, to which he looked at me, then looked at his phone and went, oh, shit. And uh, so there you go. I helped Jeff Passan find out that Garrett Cole was a Yankee. Uh, <laughs> so some advanced metrics that we have, uh, the one that I like a lot is uh, called Sierra, which is available off Fangraphs. Uh, it's sort of starts to account for what pitchers can control. It, basically, if you understand FIP, which is only accounting for home runs, walks, and strikeouts, because those are the things that pitchers control, it sort of starts to account for balls in play a little bit. Fly balls are bad. Ground balls are good. Guys who strike out, a lot of guys are good. Uh, so his Sierra last year was 2.62, which is excellent. Uh, it led all of baseball. So he's probably going to look at a traditional – I'm not going to go wins and losses because that's unpredictable. But um, the wins and losses are stupid. Yeah, they're if any if you know anybody who uses them to evaluate pitchers, run. Uh, Jacob Degrom won the Cy Young. He won like ten games. Yeah, exactly. Because and he deserved it too. Uh, and I think I think there was like a ridiculous stat where it was like if he had just gotten like three runs a game in all of his starts, would had thirty wins. Yeah, in 2018, if Mets had scored four runs or more in every single one of his starts, he would have never lost. I mean, that's that's so dumb. That's so that's dumb. Crazy to think about. And people uh, say he didn't deserve the Cy Young because he didn't win games. Oh, so it wasn't his fucking fault. I'm sorry. When you go eight innings and give up one run and you lose one nothing, I I find it a hard time believing that it's your fault you lost the game. <laughs> but uh, with Garrett Cole, he you know so last year his. ERA was 2.5. He had 300 plus strikeouts and in 200 innings. I think he could very well have 300 strikeouts again. His K percentage last year was 39.9, which is absurd. But even more impressive, I think, is his uh, strikeout minus walk percentage was 34, which is just he walked very little and he struck out a lot. So he's probably going to shoot for somewhere around a 2.7 ERA have around 300 strikeouts, throw over 200 innings. Um, big question is, you know, how many home runs is he going to give up? Which is all more of just a reality of what type of baseball are we using next year, right? I mean, a guy like him is very susceptible to the juice ball because he throws so hard. Uh, so I think if he, I think it's, un, it's pretty reasonable to expect around a 2.75 ERA, 
around 280 to 320 strikeouts, um, 200 plus innings. Who knows how many games he's going to win, but he's going to be worth around five to, at the very least, his floor is about a five and a half, six win player. I think I'm okay with that. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> I would, I would, it's, he would be the one, and then a guy who, in my opinion, is incredibly underrated, and I have said this so many times, Luis Severino is so, so, so good. I, I cannot understand why Yankee fans underrate Luis Severino all of a sudden. Because, but they do. Because Yankee fans are dumb. We're all dumb. No, oh, we're just petty. We're petty. We look at the stats and we're like, oh, one bad start? No. He yeah. gave up three runs in the wild card game in 2017. And nobody ever forgave him. It's, but you hear that all the time. of just like Luis Severino's not an ace because he hasn't come through in the clutch. What? He saved the season in 2017 in the ALDS. He pitched great in the 2017 ALCS. Actually, he just got a little unlucky. He, it was rough in the 2019 ALDS. You know, he had to work a little harder there, but. I mean, bases loaded, nobody out, and get out of it? Yeah, but he also missed the majority of the season. Yeah, exactly. he wasn't even playing all year, and he just came back and he nutted up. Yeah, he. it was clear he was not sharp. You could look at his stuff and go, it's not quite the level that we're used to. But even then, he was still effective. And his, you know, effective. And his one start against the Astros, he was fine. He worked into the fifth. He gave up two, three runs. He kept his team in the game. That's all you want from him. People very quick to forget that halfway through 2017, it was like, it's Kluber or is it Severino for the Cy Young? Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of fell off a little bit in the second half and Kluber took off. But like, we're talking about a guy who's got Cy Young potential. And what is he now, 25? Like, He's come, come on. Enter his 20 age, age 26 season. That's 26 season, yeah. The, and he's, plenty of years. Yeah, he's on a... In, Insanely affordable contract, too. Four years, $40 million that just kicked in last year. That is so team-friendly, it's absurd. He yeah, uh, it's like Aaron Hicks' contract, seven years for 70. People who say Aaron Hicks' contract is bad are just wrong. $10 million average annual value for Aaron Hicks is a steal. A steal. When healthy, that guy is the second-best center fielder in baseball. I have, no, I have no arguments. I'm a huge Aaron Hicks fan. Yeah, Everyone, I mean, he's just in the right place at every single moment when he's playing defense. It's like he never is, makes flashy plays except for that Twins play. But yeah. like he's just always in the right place. That man deserves more respect for basically just costing himself several months to try and come back and win a championship. You know, I, I didn't realize this, and I think I told James before, but I'm from um, Rochester. And so he was in the AAA system with the Twins, yeah. and yeah. I watched him play for years, <laughs> and I didn't even, like, remember. I, like, remembered watching him, but then when he became a Yankee, I was like, oh, cool. And then I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the guy that I used to see on multiple occasions over the summer, like, live playing, and now he's on the Yankees, and he's stellar. He's good. He's so, so good. I mean, if you – I think outside of – I don't know if there's anybody who's maybe a little overrated on the Yankees. Maybe they're bad. And Duhar is probably a little overrated. I get why people would overrate him, but he's coming off a very complicated surgery. He overperformed his expected numbers a lot in his rookie year. It's not saying that he can't do that again. People who overperform consistently, that happens. But uh, there's, it's just he's coming off a very, very complicated surgery. But outside of that, I mean, I think the fans tend to underrate most of the team. Yeah, I have no, no disagreement there. I saw somebody today who was like, I can't believe we're going to be trotting Jordan Montgomery out. We should have gone out and signed Mad Bum. I was like, no. first of all, you are, you are wrong on like a billion different levels. A billion. But stop disrespecting Jordan Montgomery. He's a good pitcher. He's not a Cy Young, but he's a good pitcher. It's not unreasonable to say that Jordan Montgomery could be better than Madison Bumgarner, but also just, first of all, that contract is, is the biggest, huh? I think I've ever seen in a baseball contract in my life. I just, I don't get it from his perspective. 
I don't get it from the Diamondbacks' perspective. I cannot figure it out. He is, at best, a good three now. At best. That's what he is. He's no longer an ace. He's just not. I mean, he's been in the year. He's been in the league for eleven years. Like yes. it's okay. He's gonna decline at some point. Just it's because fine. you know his name doesn't mean he's the best pitcher in the world. He's gonna get he, worse at some point. Everybody does. He, everyone talks about his postseason. And yes, twenty fourteen, he was magical. He was five years magical. ago. Exactly. That was five years ago. Five years ago. He's not the same guy anymore. His velocity has gone down. His spin efficiency has gone down. His location is worse. He doesn't have the same movement anymore. Like everything that points to she's going to decline is basically right there in front of you. You know, in the Yankees, just in general, in the past have had such a bad habit of picking up pitchers just past their prime who were great, you know, five years ago, four years ago, and then picking up just because of the name. I mean, I mean, you look at Randy Johnson. That's like one of the biggest ones. Yep. Um, right, right. I mean, that's... that's... <laughs> oh, Carl, his his Yankee career was just a train wreck. Just a train I think wreck. he was the oh, yeah. first Yankees player I was ever like, I don't like this guy at all. Wasn't he the one that got in like a car accident? Um... And like hurt his ribs or something like that, and he just was hurt. Everything, everything was hurt. Yeah. All the I time. remember the Billy Crystal story. The Yankees were in a rough patch. I think it was in like 2005. So they had Crystal come in and try and like hype up the guys, and he ended it with, this, "But before you do anything, remember who you're doing this for. Remember who you're doing it for, Carl." And I guess the clubhouse just started dying laughing. They thought it was so funny, but I was, <laughs> I remembered. Hearing that story, you're just going, man, his own teammates were trashing him. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes to Minnesota, and he has, like, a few good years with Minnesota. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> what is nice. going on? I felt very betrayed when that happened. Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah, that's that's just kind of a habit the Yankees have always had. And so I'm kind of glad for that purpose that they didn't go after Bumgarner because – yeah, to I me, it would won. just be the same old, same old that, you know, they've done in the past. And I think this was the first time we've, there's, I think in what year was it? It was Gary Sanchez's first year, 2016, when they had the sell-off of Beltron, Miller, and Chapman. Mm-hmm. That was when you really got to see Brian Cashman take control of the team. And that's when you see how they operate now as they try to spend money a little bit smarter. They don't go out and get the big names. But this offseason, you just, it was clear that they just said, we just need one guy and we're willing to do whatever it takes. This was a very much a vintage George Steinbrenner type thing where they just said, we just need one guy and we're going to do whatever it takes. This was them flexing their financial muscle and saying, we're going to get Garrett Cole and that's that. But if, if they somehow lost, I mean, signing Bumgarner would have been a huge downgrade. I think I, I saw several articles from people at ESNY that were just like, please don't sign Bumgarner. <laughs> and it was just the, it's yeah, sort of. The, no, we were on the right side of that one. Yeah. Just the, I mean, a unanimous agreement of just like, Bumgarner's not as good as you think. Right. I Which mean, is sad. But like, uh, it is what it is. I hey, would, I, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. No, you go ahead. My, I was going to change topics for a hot second. I was, I was, I was going to say that. This is probably not going to happen now just because of the 40-man crunch and, like, they got to make trades and DFAs and stuff. But I really like Alex Wood, and if he were on the team, too, uh, he's very underrated. That would have been a better signing than Madison Bumgarner. I'm saying that now. Whoever signs Alex Wood, that's going to be a better signing than Madison Bumgarner. There's a take. Mm. I'm I'm willing to get exposed if I'm wrong, but, like, I believe that. Okay. You know what? As long as you're going to take credit for it. I do have one thing to say about Madison Bumgarner before we switch topics. Uh, he said in his opening press conference, I'm just thrilled to be an Arizona Diamondback. Probably yeah. the first person to ever say that and actually mean it. It's Again, I just don't get it from anybody's perspective. 
if you're the Diamondbacks, you're in the Dodgers division. So you're still not close to winning that division. Uh, the NL Central is going to produce at least one wildcard team. The NL East is probably going to produce the other, right? So if your plan is, oh, we're going for it, why? And he's not the guy to put you over the edge. If your plan was to go for it, you should have been going for Zach Wheeler. Yeah, at least Wheeler is going to get like a similar-ish contract, or at least he was predicted to. He ended up blowing it out of the water. Yeah, but, like, I mean, he, at least he's going into his prime. Exactly. He's a guy who has potential. Whereas Bumgarner, you're just kind of hoping that he can maintain the level that he was at last year and not get worse. You don't expect him to get better. Again, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't. I just don't see how that made sense. Me either. All right, Allison, what you got? I wanted to tell you some personal news. I made a TikTok. No um, I promised I would in my podcast last week, and I made a TikTok video, and the Yes Network liked it. So bow uh, down. Huge success. Massive success. Right, right. Now I got to think of more. I'm addicted. It's a real bad problem now. It's, it's a, a danger. It's a, You're a danger to society. Uh, that, app, that app is a barren wasteland of horrid content. <laughs> I don't know. It just You just keep scrolling, and I'm just like, ah! It's bad. See, we had this conversation last week where, like, we look at TikTok now that we're, like, sort of adults, and we're like, oh, like, I don't know how everyone likes this. This looks so dumb. And then you look back on us, like, 10 years ago, and I would... It's just nonstop vines. Everything is vine. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And At the beginning, it's of the, the decade, exact same thing. It's, it's literally <laughs> the same thing. It is. It definitely is. Now people are just spending a lot more time on it, which is ridiculous. But at the same time, that video took me quite literally not even five minutes to make. So, you know, maybe they're making it easier for us. I'm not sure. Maybe. Oh but um, I just, as I was talking to you guys, I was also on Twitter because I always am. Um, and R2C2, uh, the podcast with CC and Ryan Rucco, is uh, recording an episode tomorrow with Aaron Boone. Ooh. And so they wanted to it's see if people listen. had any questions. Um, I had a question. You want to hear what it is? Yes, we're also going to ask them a podcast-wide question. We're oh, going to okay. pool our ideas right now and come up with the best idea. Okay. Um, buh, 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 buh. People are talking about, you know... Oh, someone says, does the straw have one long hole or two separate holes? Stop, Which is a stop. Very I hate question. that question. Okay, it's sorry. two holes. I hate that question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but people are like, proudest moment of the 2019 season. Um you know, as a manager of the Yankees, what did you enjoy most throughout the seasons? Who will the fifth spot in the rotation be? Wow, that's calling that a one out. A little too soon for that. Right. So yeah, my question was, <laughs> yeah, I know, A for effort for sure. Um, for you, Chad question, Green had the 2017 spot locked up until Jordan Montgomery came out of absolutely nowhere. Yep, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, and then my question is, are you considering hiring a coach to hold back Brett Gardner next season so you don't have to do it? Ooh, hold back coach. I like that. I think that's the best question on there. I'm a little biased, but you know, just remind me of that video in Toronto where like he's <laughs> Brett Gardner's like gonna put him in a uh, in a headlock. Yeah. You just have Stevie Donahue do it. Yeah. I don't think Stevie could move that well anymore. <laughs> uh I don't know if I'd have a question, but I did see Boone at the winter meetings and I did see him celebrate after they signed Garrett Cole. Uh, Boone is, was very, very outgoing. I didn't get a chance to say hi. I, I think of that one. I was, that was probably the one I was the most intimidated by. I'm just like, oh my God, that Darren Boone, that's the Yankees manager. Uh, like, yeah, he I, makes all the decisions. Yeah, like I'm a, I'm a just. <laughs> I didn't see Cashman though. I think I probably would have been more intimidated by Cashman. Oh yeah, by I far. saw. I was home from work all week, and I saw um, a rumor that the Yankees knew that they had signed Cole like before Cashman went on all of his media appearances. Yeah. And then everyone was just like, it looks like Brian Cashman's taking a victory lap. I wonder what's happening. He literally was, he was taking a victory lap. They, they knew that they signed him. I was speaking to the baseball ops coordinator and I said, I asked him, when did he sign? He goes, Oh, we signed him about middle of the day to early afternoon. 
And I was like, and you just let all this play out, like this craziness. He goes, well, I, I was up until like one o'clock in the morning. I didn't even have to be. Why didn't did they just they announce see it? see what they did to Yankees Twitter? We went yeah. insane. Uh, well, when it, as I said, when it happened, I was, I ran around, was looking for people. Then I like five minutes later, John Boy and Jake are out with wine, just like, whoa. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I asked the, what, I was supposed to meet with him that night at nine o'clock. And then Garrett Cole had signed at like 9.15, you know, in San Diego. And I sent him a text and I was like, take your time. I understand you might be a little busy right now, but congratulations. And then when I met with him, uh, he was basically just like, yeah, you know, we try to keep that under wraps as much as possible because we like to try and make a formal announcement later. But, you know, we've got some roster shuffling to do, so we weren't sure. But, you know, it always gets out at some point. I was like. Yeah, makes sense. But yeah, he signed probably around three o'clock in the afternoon, three four in the afternoon. So yeah, most Which likely for us would have seeing, been like six o'clock, right? Yeah. So if when you were seeing Cashman like doing the media stuff, it was either he had just signed or he was a very very confident man. Mm, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that makes a little sense. Okay, my question for Aaron Boone on R two C two is. Who is he tapping as the next CC in the dugout? Not the guy who's going to be the leader of the team, but the guy who's going to motherfuck the shit out of somebody if they're messing with the Yankees. Who's he going to be? I mean, you know my answer, Brett Gardner. <laughs> Brett Gardner is not one to motherfuck, though. <laughs> this is true. I feel like he's the, well, I would say the strong, silent type, but that was. He'll get, no, he'll get mad, but he's not going to like go out of his way to like go after somebody who's, who's doing some questionable shit. Tyler Wade. Voigt. Ooh, Luke, Luke Voigt. Voigt. I could see Luke Voigt. That, I'm that's thinking Luke Voigt. I was thinking Stanton and I was like, you know, Stanton's kind of more. He's passive. He's pretty passive aggressive. Like mm-hmm. if you do something to him, he's willing to pimp it and stare at you like the Mike Fires home run and such. But like. Um, or the Jason Grilly one. That one's good. I like that one a lot. Yeah. Uh, but I think Voigt's just willing to say, all right, I'm ready. Let's go. Uh, I, mean, I, could Luke, I could see that. And then, of course, you'd have Aaron Judge and you'd have Stanton behind you. And that's terrifying. Like, they wouldn't fight. They wouldn't do that. But they would be the ones that are like, okay, stay away from our guy. Like, we're going to protect him. Yeah, I yeah. can't believe anybody would step in the ring with the Yankees. <laughs> Like, you have to be so dumb. Even imagine if they do sign re-sign the Tances, just they could form a literal football team with like Boyd, Judge, Stanton, Gardner could be their running back, uh Tances, fullback, Chapman, uh even uh Urshela's pretty big. Uh DJ's tall. I love that in the All-Star game, George Springer saying, DJ's super tall what the heck this is the tallest second baseman i've ever seen in my life which makes <laughs> sense given the fact of who his second baseman is he could probably see over everything very true yeah did you guys know that jose Alan tuve and aaron judge took a picture next to each other once and one is tall and one is short oh my god what do you mean i've you never know, seen that you know todd frazier met Derek jeter in the little league world series and then ended up playing for the new york yankees that is absolutely insane. I've never heard of that. I actually, I have a great story about that. It's a short one, I promise. But every time something pops up about Tom's River, whether we're driving down to Jersey and we see the sign, my boyfriend's always like, hey, you, you know who's from Tom's River? And I'm like, ah, uh, ah. Uh, and I would like, we just make up ridiculous names. And everyone in the car is like, we know it's Todd Frazier. Just get on with it. And we're like, no, no, <laughs> we want to play this game. <laughs> I I think that's the just the ultimate of like please something else to talk about. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, those those are never going away. I want Todd Frazier to leave the Mets just because I don't want like I don't want that in my life anymore. I don't want. Oh, did you know Todd Frazier's from New Jersey and he stood next to Derek Jeter once and then he played for the Yankees and now he plays for Mets. But I don't want that in my life anymore. Like, go no. literally anywhere else. Well, please. now we're stuck uh-huh. with the Garrett Cole picture. Oh, son of a bitch. Yep. That was the only reason I didn't want them to sign Garrett Cole. I was like, I don't want to see that picture again. But when I was last offseason with Dallas Keuchel, everyone's like, we should sign Keuchel. And I was like, hey, he's really not that good. B, please don't shave the beard. 
<laughs> I don't want to see you without it. It's been too long. No. All right. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up there because we're now pushing well over an hour. So, Max, thanks for coming on, buddy. Uh, thanks for having we're glad me. to have you at the site. We're glad to have you as the pod- podcast guest hosts now. You will be back at some point when we need some advanced numbers analysis because we don't do stats here. I can, I can do that. I can be the Katie Sharp for this podcast. Oh, we, we, do we usually, do, we usually just copy her tweets. We just say <laughs> Katie Sharp stat of the week and we just copy it. But all right, see you next week. All right, fam. Bye.